What's up, James? Thanks for uh, joining the show. Yeah, man. Absolutely. Absolutely. Appreciate you having me. Always good to see you again. Oh, yeah. So why don't you just go ahead. I know who you are. Most of our friends know who you are. But just sort the, the one or two fans that I do have that don't know who you are, go ahead and introduce yourself. All right. Um, Jim Gilliland, um, retired 20-year-plus Army veteran. Um, worked with Josh for a little bit um, down in Savannah. Uh, most notably, I guess, during my Army career is um, a, accredited with the longest confirmed kill of the 308 in Iraq. So that's that's how I guess if anybody wants to find me, that'd be the easiest way to find me. Okay. So, so what are you doing now? Uh, so now I've been out for three years. I retired three years ago uh, as a, an E-8 master sergeant. I was doing a little first sergeant time. But uh, um Man, now I just I, I travel all over the country. I've got a consultant company, Shadow Six Consulting, and uh, so do some shooting. Uh, my wife and I both are long range um, competitors in the Precision Rifle Series. Uh, I do some work with Federal Ammo. Do some work with Collis and Swarovski Optics. Um, just whatever, hang out, teach a few classes. That's about it. So, uh, what about the kids? I saw a picture of your oldest. She's not a little girl anymore, dude. dude. So, yeah, the, the kids are, are grown, you know. Um, so we've got four total. Uh, Melissa's got two boys. i got two girls. So um, the uh, the oldest, Austin's 24. He's a cop in North Alabama. Mackenzie, uh, the oldest girl, is um, on her second year of college in um, uh, down in Statesboro. And then my oldest daughter, our youngest daughter, Kaylee, uh, she's senior high school this year, and then uh, Cash is the youngest boy, and he's uh, enjoying middle school now and, and hanging out and doing all kind of crazy stuff. So, yeah, they're getting older, man. Yeah, yeah. I, I remember back at uh, Fort Stewart when uh, you you got the girls over to uh, my wife's baby shower, um, and they were just kids back then. Yeah, my, my oldest, she was only like a year or two old, and now she's. 12 started middle school i know it, it, it's crazy you know and, and time has gone by so fast yeah you know? and um you, you can't get it back so you got to make you got to make do with what you got and enjoy it right. so so quick quick just so just give us something to talk about this sure. will probably it's uh it's september 9th when we're recording this uh, i'll probably post this september 11th sure so just because that's probably a big day to me and you both that's you right remember, you remember where you were when that day happened most certainly um you know it's kind of hard to forget you know something big like that so um i had just bought uh my then wife uh my first wife a, a new car and it needed something done with it uh so i took it back to the uh, the dealership that morning dropped it off and got a um you know a courtesy ride back I almost died on the way back I almost got t-boned um walked into the house and it was probably uh, well so I opened the door and walked in the house. The first thing I saw was it was what turned out to be the second plane hitting uh, hitting the uh, World Trade Center or whatever. Uh, and I was like, "Holy cow! Plane just hit World Trade Center!" Um, and then, you know, it turned out it was the second one. Well, I no more got that out of my mouth to where the phone rang, and we had a late work call that day. I was in the Ranger Battalion. I was a squad leader in Charlie Company three seven five. I mean, as soon as the second plane hit, I said that the phone rang, picked it up. Uh, we were supposed to come in at 12 uh, and get ready to do a, a jumping hump and spend seven days in the field. 
Um, but, uh, you know, staff dude called me like, hey, just be here regular time. Hung up, you know. So that's, of course, that started the, the rest of that day. So, yep. Yeah, when I think back to that day, that day, like everything that I am now, that day pretty much set for. Like, uh, yeah. I was I was in high school my senior year. Uh, early that morning, they, they stopped class. They brought us all to like one classroom. And we watched the all day. We just watched the whole day all the way to the, the towers fell. And I remember I was supposed to join the Navy. I had a uh, – I was supposed to go to MEPS. And uh, then the next day, uh, a, Marine, a Marine Corps recruiter walked in in his dress blues, and he had a uh, had a Time magazine. He, he placed the Time magazine in front of me, and it showed the uh, the people jumping out of the buildings. Yep. He's like, he's like, someone's got to pay for this shit. Marines made people pay <laughs> for this shit. And then, you know, from that day on, you know, the deployments, the, you know, the 13, 14 years of service, everything – where I'm at today, probably all my success. Because before that, I was a, uh, I was kind of just a little punk ass kid with no direction, no goals, and that That's day, right. that day changed everything. Probably, probably saved my life or saved me from, you know, becoming something different than what I am now. But I thought be, that'd be nice to talk about just a little bit because I think it's going to lead us into our next topic. Where, you know, since that day, you know, we've witnessed you know multiple mass shootings, uh, you know, especially all over the world, just uh, random acts of violence and things like that, and. Um, yep. You know, just recently, like I used to be a, I still am. I carry, I, I carried conceal. I always had a tourniquet in my pocket. All, yeah. always, always ready for something bad to happen. But lately, probably the last year, I've become like real complacent. Just yeah. nothing's ever happened to me, and I should know better. But as we were talking about the other night on the phone, there was this video of the uh, of a husband and wife there walking their children, and holding their hands, and out of nowhere, this 50 year old woman starts slashing one of the kids' faces with a knife. And it just it reminded me like how vulnerable you are and how, especially me with the things that I know, the things that I've seen in life, I should be prepared for something like that to happen. And sure. it just, I kind of want to go before we really get into it, kind of like, what are your thoughts? Because the first, the first mass shooting, you know, Grant, I, I kind of want to get away just from the, uh, the radical Islamists because we, we understand them. Right. We, we've, we've been fighting those dudes for years. We know, we know what they're about, but over, I would say, like the last ten years, there's been more of a uh, more mass shootings, more acts of violence by almost Americans, homegrown people. Sure. Um, and I remember it, was, it hasn't always been like that. The first time in my life that you know I remember something like that happened was probably Columbine, which happened when I was in high school, and it seemed like it died off. You know, the uh, the terrorists took over everything, but like the last ten years, or maybe less than that, but there seems to be, you know, a trend of like American people violence. You know, whether it's in a movie theater, a school, especially the school shootings or these small random acts of violence or the big ones like Las Vegas. What do you think is is the root of that? I'm not, not getting too like too political, but it seems well, like something's changed, you know? No. Well, so, OK, first and foremost is something has changed. Uh, the biggest thing that has changed is the rate and amount and the availability of information. You know, and that's where things, I mean, just even just a decade ago, you know, things that would happen in hometowns across the world would not be, you know, national or international news. Uh, but because we have a ongoing 24-hour news cycle, and that's how the news companies make money is they, they put, you know, pressing stories and they make things huge or elaborate them right around. So, I mean, that's, that's I think, the the one thing that has caused the situation to be where it's at and i'm not talking about the individuals doing this stuff but the 
the overall consciousness that is out there about these things happening is the the excessive need for people to watch TV and to feel like they're being informed or whatever else. So that I think that's the biggest thing that's changed. Um, so me, it was, you know, going back and forth with this a lot and, you know, trying to think, of course, everybody has, you know, why does this happen? You know, what's causing this and things like that? Uh, you know, and I'm not a psychologist, but I mean, generally speaking, disciplined people don't do random acts of violence, you know? Right. Uh, and I think in our, specifically in our society, in the American society, uh, we have become so blessed with everything that we have, you know, uh, out the poorest of poor people in our country had the availability to have a cell phone, to eat, to be taken care of, to have a shelter to stay in, to be taken, just essentially to be taken care of. Our, the people that we think are dirt poor, live in a house, have air conditioning, have, you know, internet and a phone and most of a car. Yeah, they kind of talk, they they blast about their, uh, their poverty with their, their nice cell phones. Right. And, you know, and I'm not saying that they don't live, you know, well below what we consider the means of standards RWS. But you and I have both been to places in the world when you look at somebody that's impoverished, uh, they don't know when they're going to eat again. And right. I'm not saying they don't know, you know, if they're going to go and somebody's going to give them, a, you know, 20 bucks on the side of the road and let them go, whatever. I'm talking about they don't know if they're going to starve to death. Exactly. They don't know if it's going to rain, if they're not going to find anywhere to get dry. You know, things like that. The clothes they have on their back is all they have. And there are people like that in the United States, but they're so few and far between in reality, comparatively. Um, and they're so easy for them to get help. So, you know, there's a there's a whole mindset or whatever else. But just in going back, the, the individual responsibility and... Um, and the lack of discipline that we are allowing our people, I think is causing more issues with all of the stuff that we're having. And, and you know, forget, you know, for the moment, the, the violent stuff. But it's just, you know, it's where we are with our attitude and how we're trying to fundamentally change things as they are. And why, you know, politically speaking, you know, we're so easy to segregate, you know, separate and keep in order. But, um you know, we've come to an age to where everything's okay. And that's, you know, there's a lot of cool stuff in that. You know, having the ability and the freedoms that we have in this country has given us so many things that no one else could ever have. But it also, as a byproduct of that, it's given us things that nobody else has. And that's the ability to, you know, not look at ourselves and our situation and take assessment of how well we have it. So we got to be hateful about something else. So, um, but when, when you can't take responsibility for your own actions and when you, when you expect someone else to take care of things for you and it doesn't happen, then, you know, I mean, spoiled kids that have everything they want when they don't get it, they pitch a fit and throw themselves on the floor and scream and cry. Well, when you are an adult and nobody pays attention to you, you have to act out in such a way that people pay attention to you. You know, it's, um, you can even say all of the excessive need for being known, you know, 20 years ago, you ask a kid of any age, you know, any school age, whatever, hey, what do you want to do when you grow up? I want to be a doctor. I want to be a lawyer. I want to be a cowboy. I want to be a, you know, uh, whatever. You know, I want to be an astronaut, things like that. It, the majority of the kids nowadays, when you ask them what they want to be, they want to be a YouTube star. Right. 
Yep. Everybody wants to be famous. They want to be famous. You know, and that's and that's, you know, I think that fundamental shift in, you know, hey, let's be responsible and do things that make us, you know, responsible adults that can that can contribute as opposed to I want everybody to know who I am. Right. And if you've got no other means or if you're not if you're not capable of any other ways of making yourself known, you know, what do I need to do? Well, I need to escalate things. I need to ramp things up. And, you know, there's and I'm all over the place, I know, but there's probably also a big part of this is, you know, just the laws of probability, you know, and, and percentages. You know, what I would really enjoy seeing is if we could do this. Now, I've talked about this before to different people, is what is the percentage per capita, right? Just the, the pure percentage. The percentage per capita of people doing mass shootings, that's what we're talking about, today as opposed to 100 years ago. Right. And I can imagine that the percentages are still the same. The problem is we have many, 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 many more people. So, you know, where it was, if it was 10, you know, 100 years ago, well, because of population explosions, it's a thousand now, but right. the true percentages are the same. That, and if a mass shooting happened in Albuquerque 100 years ago, the people in Baltimore would never have known that. It would have never even been a part of their world. But now you know it 30 seconds after because somebody's got a cell phone and has already uploaded it to you know, a news channel. Right. Now, do you think cause that, that does kind of make a little bit of sense? Because like when you look at like today's mass shootings, majority of them are in Texas. Texas being one of the biggest states in the country. Do you think that's kind of like correlated? Like maybe it is has to do with like a, like the number amount of people and the availability to uh, media, like social media assets and things like that. I, I'm sure you know, and and there's still you know, you, there have been several in Texas here lately, and there's you know, there's it's a huge state. It is a massively huge state. Um, but the the way that the media portrays the mass shooters and how that whatever also has to follow a very rigid. Um, genre or how it you know how it has to happen uh, the fact of the matter is you know in places like Baltimore and Chicago three four and five people are shot regularly yeah which is still considered a mass shooting but because it happens so regularly in these you know crime ridden you know inner city places or whatever nobody cares about those right or nobody it it's not sensationalized like one person going to a place and killing twenty people. Well, it's an old, we, it's an old story, right? Like the uh, the shooting, right? Yeah, the shootings in like Chicago, even here in Syracuse. You know, we have a lot of gang violence, but that's old news, and it's not ever covered the way you would cover eight people shot in a grocery store in Texas. That's right. That's absolutely right. You know, and it, you know, and it can't be lost on anybody that it has to, you know. Number one, news, the news companies that are out there are out there to make money. They, they, have to, they have to have a profit in order to stay, you know, a company. And so they do that by, you know, how they tell the story and the stories they tell and how they can capture. You know, how, how do I captivate the audience and entertain them to bring them in and tell my story? And those fit a whole lot better than, you know, hey, you know, two gangbangers just killed five other gangbangers. I got it. Gangbangers are going to kill gangbangers. But this random one dude walked into a place and shot it up. Well, I mean, things like that, you know, have happened for a very, very long time. Um, you know, it's just, there's more people. There's going right. to be more violence. So, 
you know, it, it, and it doesn't make it any better for the people who are involved or or any of the the whatevers. So, you know, but to to try to try to stay completely away from the politics and everything else because, you know, the, the problem is we have politicized everything, and it's either yeah. your own, you're you're either red or you're blue, or you're you're this or you're that or whatever. And there's no middle ground because we can't look at each other like you and I are looking at, even over the screens and be like, hey man, what do you think about this? Right. And then somebody says something, you're like, yeah, I kind of see that, but what about this? You know, and nobody can have that one-on-one, non-emotional, you know, conversations. You know, we're human. We we have emotions, and because of that, it ruin it rules everything and every decision-making process that we have. Right. So I mean, yeah, that that all makes really good sense. But I hope I don't make you like reiterate yourself, but like. Something kind of like bothers me about the whole situation, especially it's not all like they said. I think there's tons of shootings across the country. There's tons of acts of violence. It's and it's sure. all over the world too. And the media only decides like which ones they want to cover. But something that like, I guess that kind of put me in like deep thought. Um, like I'm not I'm not a religious man, but sure. I do I do believe in good and evil. And so right. like some some of these big shootings and some of these like like the ones that are done in schools, like the guy in Vegas, like you know like just see these ones that like like. I see violence all the time. I, I spent most of my adult life in violent places. Mm-hmm. Killing killings aren't that that they're not shocking to me, but some that are. You know, right. the one where, where like where the, where a young adult goes into, you know, an elementary school or middle school and shoots children. Like I don't, you know, a lot of stuff you make like you said made sense about the overall acts of violence and stuff. But some of those things I just don't. Like where that where's the where's that mindset? Where does the uh, the audacity, the balls, the for someone to get to that point where they think it's okay, whether it's to make a point, you're going for the shock and all, but to to shoot children or to sit up in a uh, you know a Vegas a Vegas hotel and, and just randomly would like, you know and kill as many people as you possibly can. Like I don't, like, it's hard for me. Like even like even some of the ones like the, the, like the shots in Walmart, you know, you know a white guy who didn't like Mexicans. Like okay, I get it, racism and hate right. and all these things, but there's just there's a certain line that even I'm shocked. Even I'm like, you're like how do we? get to this point, you know, where that kind of stuff, that, I, I'll just, I'll just label it as evil, like evil shit. Like, I don't, I don't know any other way to describe it. Like it makes me, it makes me sick to my stomach. And I just don't know. I don't know. Like you know, a lot of people like correlate it to like the medication problem, the psychological, like we have more psych patients than we've ever had in this country now. And it could be, I could be wrong. It could be based off. We have a larger population. I understand that too. No, but, I know. I, listen, you know, one of the things, you know, and I know you've covered, you know, many veteran stuff and, and all of that kind of thing too. But, you know, we, I think we condition, you know, just that population. I think we condition our veterans to, you know, have the understanding more so of suicide than anything else. Cause we tell them every freaking month, you know, we have these, these classes that we're giving our, our, you know, our military people is, hey, please don't touch each other inappropriately. Please don't cuss at each other and don't kill yourself. Oh, by the way, you're going to want to kill yourself, right? And it's okay to have those feelings that you want to kill yourself, but please don't kill yourself because you've done things that make you want to go kill yourself, but don't kill yourself. Right. And so, and, you know, and, and, and if I'm, you know, having some issues or struggling or doing something like that or something's going on in life, you know, I'm sitting back there and be like, you know, I, I guess maybe I have thought about killing myself. I, I mean, I, I, you know, maybe I guess maybe I have. It's it's okay. I guess it's okay for me to have these thoughts. Well, I'm okay. You know, it's you're reinforcing a negative. So okay, yeah. Going back to that, you know, what you said. What brings this person to think that it's even okay? Like, what mindset does it, it gives a person to think it's okay? So 
you know, and I tried, I tried very, very hard in my adult life. You know, I, I've had a lot of, of, you know, time to think and sit and assess and whatever else. And I try to pull myself away and do non-emotional, you know, feelings checks. You know, have, hey, what does this really mean? You know, and see both sides, which is very lost, I think. But, you know, in saying that, what makes these people think it's okay? So what makes it okay for that spoiled child to throw themselves on a grocery store floor and scream and kick at the top of their lungs because they didn't get something they wanted or a toy or candy or whatever else, you know, what makes that, that okay. And how does that parent handle that? You know, and I, I really believe that, you know, when you're standing in a store and you look and you see this, this, you know, going on or whatever, um, and you're like, wow, what a spoiled, rotten little shit. That parent should do something, you know? But that's the same parent that don't do something that these kids grow up. And so they have allowed it from, from birth to this point. They have allowed these children to control the environment, right? So me as an individual, I understand as that child that if I don't get what I want, I can be loud or I can keep on, please, 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 I want, I want, I want, I want. And finally, you give in. And the next time when you, I have to go further and you don't, I get louder. And the next time I get physical and I keep doing this, I keep escalating these things to eventually you're going to give in. You're going to give me what I want or the attention that I want. And then at some point it becomes okay to where I can act however I want to get whatever I need. And I think that kind of mentality has been perpetuated, you know, because, you know, there are so many things out there that I think are, are, I guess they were stigmatized for a very long time. We've kind of opened the door to them, you know, and, and I don't know, I, I really don't want to speak out of turn a lot of these, but there's a lot of children things now that when these kids are acting out, you know, because they had with, whether it's autism and I hate bringing these words into it because I know everybody like immediately jumps on a bandwagon about this shit, but emotionally speaking, if you pull emotions away from it, let's have this real conversation. Yeah. You know, we have, we have accepted so much bad behavior because they can't do anything about it or they're, they're on the spectrum or you have to nurture them or you have to positively reinforce or whatever. And I'm not saying, hey, you don't beat your kids. Now, you, kids don't need to be beaten. But we have to understand that what discipline truly is, you know, uh, discipline is in its purest form is the fear of something. Right. And everybody's like, you don't want your kids to fear. Your children should never fear you. Well, that's true. Your children should never fear you, but they should fear the disappointment in you. You know, but discipline across the board is about fear. And so they have to be afraid of something in order to do the things they need to do to be positive, to get a positive outcome. And I think we've taken that away. You know, we've taken the fear of something away and we've allowed them to you know, to grow on their own and be whatever, you know, without any natural laws, you know. Uh, and I, I say it over and over and over again, you know, prefrontal cortex and opposable thumbs brought us out of the animal kingdom that, that made us, you know, not have to live in a natural world. Um, but in doing that, you know, we feel now like we don't have to live by the laws of nature, but the laws of nature still control us. Right. We don't, we don't accept that. We don't realize that part of, we're still part of the animal kingdom and there's still things that are going to happen very animalistic. 
but because we have turned our you know turned our back to it because you know we're a higher species uh, our emotions don't allow us to see things the way that the animal kingdom sees them yeah <laughs> that was good <laughs> i like i like that a lot yeah. All right. Yeah. So we don't. We definitely need to talk about that. You, you made a lot of great points. <laughs> Jesus, that was good, dude. Um. So look, you know, growing up, you know, you were my platoon star. And I was one of your squad leaders. You're definitely sure. one of the most like inspirational people in my life. But I remember one time, uh, I was riding in your truck. We stopped somewhere. You went to the uh, the toolbox cat in the, in the back of your truck. You opened it. You pulled out like an AR or whatever, whatever it was. It was it was definitely a, a sweet ass rifle. Uh, you put, and then I saw your kit, and I saw that at any given point, you know, Sergeant First Class Gillen was ready to get after it. Right. And, I, and so I asked you what it was for, and you said, uh, just in case, if my daughter's over at school and someone starts shooting it up, I'm ready to go, you know, pie off windows, clear corners, and and eliminate targets. So, sure. And from then on, you've always were big on teaching us about, uh, I, I guess I would call it individual preparedness. And that, that's also you know, the, the way that we conduct ourselves here is similar to the way we conduct ourselves in Iraq or Afghanistan. We never know what a target is. We, we never know who the bad guy is. So we always got to have like this, this situational awareness. And, uh, and this is something that you've always taught us about being ready, being prepared. And it always, even though most of it was for Iraq and Afghanistan, but it always could be put towards like your everyday life. So I've always like the, the things that you taught me, I still remember to this day, but like, I would really like to know, especially I think it goes with kind of what you do as a living anyways. It's like, like, what are your thoughts on individual preparedness, and what are some of the things that we can – that just an average guy – like, I'm not trying to, you know, bring up the uh, – right. you know, we're, we're, not, we're, not, we're not all big, tatted, bearded, not yeah. yeah, forgiven all that. I mean, that's, that's a whole other conversation anyway, um, and I would never say that I was a prepper or nothing like that. But, um, you know, I was a Boy Scout, and, you know, the, the, one of the, you know, the motto is be prepared. Um, and that's, you know, and you can take that in so many different ways, but so to specifically on the point you had, you know, uh, you know, I got my truck gun, always have a truck gun. Um, and it's, it's, I always keep something together, you know, especially when my, my kids are in school or my family is in, in, in an environment or whatever else, or whatever happens, you know, if, <clears throat> you know, if I pull up to a gas station, and I look up, you know, and, and, and my wife and kids goes into the gas station or whatever to you know, get a Coke or go potty or whatever else. And I look up and that place is being robbed. I'm not going to allow that criminal, that evil person to control my environment. So, yes, I am going to take that into my own hands, you know, because that's how evil is dissipated is because good, you know, overcomes the evil part. Um, and, you know, my kids in school, if I was ever and not to say that if I was 45 minutes away and I heard something was going on, that I'm going to speed in there and jump out of my truck and fly into action. That's not what it's about. It's about if you have the opportunity to control an environment that is out of control and, and people are getting hurt, you have a, a human responsibility to help, you know, as humans being outside of our rules of nature or whatever, we want to try to save everybody. You know, the, the, the laws of nature say that the weak and the hurt and the, the disabled or whatever else gets, you know, left back. You know, right. in the animal world, you know, if a, if a tiger cub is born and has a, 
deformity to a certain amount, it dies. You know, if a bird is pushed out of the nest and it doesn't fly, it dies. And that's just the way, that's how the animal world continues to be stronger and stronger and stronger. Now, I'm not advocating push people out of the nest and, you know, whatever, euthanize, that by no means. But we can't, we can't, you know, move forward with the understanding that we're going to save everybody and everything and not forget the, the rules of nature that say that when you do that, then you're including a lot of other things that become responsibilities to us now. Um, so when it comes to protecting my family and the things, you know, when it comes down to it or whatever else, regardless of whether they're on crutches, a limp foot, not thinking correctly, whatever it is, we're, I'm, I'm with everybody else, I'm taking that upon myself to I'm going to be whatever I need to be animalistically to preserve my people. You know, whether it be my direct DNA, you know, just like the animal kingdom would or whatever else, or whether it be someone that means more to me than some shithead that's just trying to be a punk and do violent stuff. Right. So, and I, I think that's a, that's a human condition is we, you know, we'll develop medicines and techniques and all of this stuff to help us be healthy and move more and live longer. But we're not willing to do the things that directly, you know, um, combat you know the the direct threat stuff to us not the things that could kill us eventually right so you know not to go too much like because we could, we could talk all day about individual preparedness you know sure. you know get, get your you know get your concealed and carry carry well, listen, to- it's simple right so as an individual it's very very simple is how am i how am i doing things in life so me personally i carry you know i always carry a little cash on me I got my wallet, my IDs, a little bit of cash. I've always got my cell phone because everybody else got all that stuff. I carry a, a really, really sharp, sharp pocket knife I carry that I use only for very, very specific things. And I carry a, a knife that I use for everything, cutting boxes and things like that. You know, I carry a, a cigarette lighter. I don't smoke, but I carry a cigarette lighter because you never know if you need to light a candle, burn the end of a string or whatever, you know, and... Uh, you know, I carry just a little few, a few little things like that, that no matter what environment that I'm in, if I need to do something, you know, I have the availability to, to, to fix things right around me. You know, I don't have to ask. I always carry a pen and a paper with it. There's something to write with and write on. Or, you know, and I do that less now because of my cell phone, but I still, when I'm th- trying to think forward, I, I, I try to think about those things. Okay. So what are the things that you could just, just briefly talk about, the, um, like, because one of the most important things I think, no matter if you're carrying a pistol, you got a, you got a, you got your badass K bar or whatever. Right. The most important, the most important thing you can have is situational awareness. Sure. I, you, you, uh, if you don't have that, it doesn't matter what you do, it doesn't matter what you carry. You're always, you're, you're, you're more dangerous than you were before if you don't have situational awareness. Where, where are some of the things that when you, let's just say you're out in the fam, you're out take your family to dinner. What are the things that you're looking for without without being a complete. Uh, you know, preparing, you know, like re- re- ready for Armageddon to happen, but just like things right. that just the kind of like the, the, the basic person can just think about when they walk into a place, how they sit themselves, you know, just, just the overall situation of, you know, being aware, you know, of threats and things like that. How do you, how would you go about it? Or how would you tell someone who's new to this? Oh, no, no. I mean, no, you, you hit it right on the head when you talked about earlier. The, the most deadly weapon that we own is stuck in the holster between our ears, right? Our, our mind and conscious, that, that makes us what we are. So when you're walking in your environment, right, 
Number one, just put your damn cell phone down. Stick it in your pocket and be in your environment while you're there, right? You can't, uh, you can't affect anything if you can't access it. And you can't assess things unless you see it, right? And we do it all the time when, we, when we're in an uncomfortable environment, whether it, you, you go to a party and there's a bunch of new people there or you're walking through a dark alley or whatever. We get pretty good at things like that sometimes. But in an everyday environment, you know, we get very complex, especially when it's the same, you know, you're going to your work where you've gone every Monday through Friday for the last X number of years or whatever else. You get very complacent. When you, when you pull into a parking spot, you know, you put your vehicle in park or whatever else, take a second just to kind of look around. Hey, you know, are they, are there, what, what type of vehicles are around me? How close are they? How far are they? Right? It's easy. Turn your car off because there's nobody around you. And before I go and open my unlock and open my door or whatever, just look in 10 foot circle or 20 foot circle to see, is there somebody right there? You know, get out of your car. And when you, you know, before you close your door, all you got to do is take another look around just to see who's around me. What's in my right? Is there a dog off of a leash chasing somebody, you know, whatever. I mean, it just takes being aware. And when you're moving, you know, to and from, you know, I like, you know, especially when we're moving through a parking lot specifically, you know, number one, I always try to keep, uh, you know, Melissa and the kids or whatever on the vehicle side as opposed to the open side because people drive 500 miles an hour looking at their phone and thinking about what they just bought or going to buy, you know. And so if, I would rather them hit me than my, my family, right? right. Um, so, but in saying that is you need to pay attention as you're walking up. You look in front of you and to the side, you know, to the side to see if there's a vehicle coming. And if there's not, take another second to glance the other way. Is there people sitting in the cars on, you know, in this aisle that I'm walking through? Hey, can I see, you know, and it, it's a quick glance. You just look and see, are there, can I see people in cars? You know, and the further, the, the further up you go, you do a long, you know, a quick scan and the closer you are, you take a little bit closer time to look because that's your more close, your immediate threat. And then when you get into places, you, you open your front door and you just take, you know, you do a, you know, you can do a quick scan. Look, people inherently tell you how they want to be treated just by the way they dress and look, right? If you see a guy and, and that doesn't, you know, there are definitely wolves in sheep's clothing or whatever else. But in general, people show you how they want to be treated or how they want, how they perceive themselves. You know, and if you've got somebody that is, you know, it's warm out and they've got, you know, a, a jacket on or a hoodie pulled up or, you know, if they're just if they're just they're, they're back. And if they're being very conscious about watching and thinking, there's a reason they're being very conscious. Right. Is either, you know, they're looking for somebody specifically or they're looking for you to do something that gives them the idea of what they what they're at, you know, Um their attitude, their body language, things like that. And it takes a quick scan to see this. And sometimes all it takes is instead of walking, you know, hey, I'm going to go right between this post in this car or this wall and this whatever else. It's as simple as I'm, I'm going to go 20 feet and I'm, I'm just nonchalantly going to move out of, you know, give myself more room. And the more space you have, the more time you have. And the more time you have, the more decision-making process you have to take care of whatever. When you sit down in a restaurant, you know, and it's not about, you know, wild Bill Hickok sitting where you can't have the glass behind you or anything like that. But it's more about, you know, just, hey, you know, I'm looking around. I'm seeing how people are, 
you know, are people talking directly to each other? Is there somebody alone that just keeps kind of looking around and making, trying to make eye contact with people? Or, you know, if nothing else, where are the exits? Just in case some random freak comes walking in the door and starts shooting. What can I put between me and them? And how can I get out of the area the fastest, right? It's not all about, you know, going back to the, the truck gun or whatever. It's not all about killing somebody. You know, it's not all about engaging somebody. It's about self-preservation. And if the the first thing you can do is you got to, you know, just like in a firefighter, what we were taught is, you know, return fire, seat cover. And sometimes you got to seat cover before you can return fire. You know, yeah. so, you know, and it, it doesn't take this super switched on Jason Bourne mentality to do those kind of things. You just have to start being self-aware, putting your cell phone up, holding your head up and just watching the world, you know, so many people enjoy, you know, getting up early and watching the sunrise and start hearing, you know, they listen, what's the first bird I hear or, you know, what's the first whatever. And they, they, they watch the world, you know, it's one of the things I really truly love about hunting is you watch the world open up. Well, it's the same thing. It's the same type mentality when you go and you're sitting in the active world is you're just watching the world open up. You know, if normal everyday people don't do extraordinary, crazy, violent things, it's the one-offs. It's the, when you look over at them, you can see it's like, man, you know, but the problem too is you can't get fixated on that thing. You have to pay attention to it, but you can't watch it because, you know, just, you know, there's a guy at hunting camp that I used to go when I was a kid or whatever, you know, he's like, hey, you know what this is? I was like, no, sir. He's like, whack, hits me with his hand. That's a decoy. <laughs> <laughs> and then, you know, a few minutes later or whatever else, he goes, hey, you know what this is? And I look down at this hand, he goes, pow, it's a real thing that time, you know, it, but it, it's a huge life lesson, you know, so you, you've got, there's, there's, there's multiple things, you just got to be aware, you know, you don't have to watch them, but you got to be aware of them. Yeah, I think, you know, just, God, we got so many deployments, but, uh, you know, you're always looking for signs, like signs, you know, that, that tell you, you know, it's like you said, like it, they, they present themselves, you know, the way people act. And I just remember being in Iraq, you know, you would look for things like, you know, what, what is going on? Like if you're, if you're on the street and it's busy, now this, this is an extreme situation. This is, sure. you wouldn't, you wouldn't see this in a bird key, you know, but you look around and like, you know, we would look, okay, if the streets aren't crowded and they usually are, you know, you're about to take contact. Um, and then, you know, once the war kind of slowed down and we started getting a little bit more into like those, uh, you know, it's like the involvement with like the meetings and stuff. You're looking for people who, who are shaking people who are holding their hands behind their back, people who look like they have things to hide. So that there's definitely signs that, you know, I especially help me as a paramedic. Like you sure. know, when I walk in, when I walk into a situation and someone's like anxious, well, there's either a serious medical problem going on or yep. this person's about to do something that he's not comfortable with. Yep. So, you know, the easiest way when I, when I do situational awareness classes and things like that, the easiest way, especially for parents, right? When it, when you have somebody that has children, the easiest way to get people to understand how to switch, you know, how to change their mindset is children are the easiest things to read, right? Is when you walk up and a kid's been doing something they're not supposed to, he's like, hey, what are you doing? And they're like, <laughs> you know, or they or they get they get whatever. I mean, that's everybody does that. Just piece something, you know, when you when you grow up, you're a little better at hiding it. But it's the same way, you know, when, you know, 
Mackenzie, my oldest daughter, she used to be, uh, do this all the time. I'd be sitting on the couch doing something, whatever else. And she'd walk, she'd just kind of walk in real slow and just be like, do, 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 you know, and she'd start reaching for something. I'd be like, don't touch that. And she'd move, you know, a little closer, a little closer. I was like, I'm telling you, don't do that, you know. <laughs> and then, she, you know, snatch it up and run away real quick. But you can see her full intention as she approached, right? Right. And generally speaking, you know, you can, you know, if you're paying attention and you're, you're going to miss things. Right. And, and it, you know, the intelligence people will tell you this all the time is like, you know, as a as an intelligence person trying to figure something out, you've got to be right every single time, no matter what, 100 percent. The bad guys only has to be right once. Right. And so when you're when you're doing all your assessments or whatever, you just look for things where, like you said, people who are a little uncomfortable with what they're about to do or they're amping themselves to do something. Right. Um, you know, guy walks in or whatever, uh, and, and you can probably see it on that whole, um, uh, if you watch videos of some of these shooters, especially like the Walmart shooters or whatever else, you know, guy walks in, he's like, stands there for a minute, kind of looks around, you know, takes his assessment or whatever, turns in and walks right out. Now, I've done that before, too, because I walk into Walmart and forget completely what it was that I went there for or whatever. Um, but it's something, when, when you see something, you had to file that in the back of your head. It was like, that wasn't normal. Like, that, that guy could have just forgot something, but that wasn't a typical action. Right. right? And so now, you know, you, you're aware of something, and you pay a little more attention to that. And it could give you, you know, you could see him when he pulls whatever. You, know, you may see him coming back into the store, you know, 50 feet you know, before he crosses the road to get to the entryway. I mean, you may see that and be like, Holy shit, now I've got reaction time. But you wouldn't have noticed that had you not noticed the guy walking in the front door. And, then, I mean, people are not going to stand in front of Walmart and be like, what's this guy? This guy going to do this? You know? But it's when you're sitting in Burger King or whatever else, or when you're sitting wherever in a restaurant or, or just in, a, in an environment, right, is when you're standing around and you're looking around or whatever, and you see somebody that's kind of antsy, you know, or you see somebody that's, you know, they, they start, they, you know, it's just like a predator animal. When they right. start getting ready for something, their body language changes and they get very focused or they get, you know, they're amping themselves up or they're, 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 you know, they're trying to build up to something. And when you can start catching those, you know, actions, that's when you can start getting in front of the, in front of the bang, you know, so in, in front of that moment in time. Okay. So that, that's all great information. And that, that's all the stuff before. So just, just briefly, because shit happens and situations sure. are crazy. Let's just say you're in that oh shit moment. Sure. Let's, let's just say whether it's it's small, it's big, you know, you know. And I don't want to get to the, the bad, you know, the badass. Oh, I'm gonna draw my pistol. And That's right. you know, I, I, I'm thinking about that that dad who who isn't a killer. I'm thinking about that dad who isn't sure. a shooter. That dad, like, you know. And I know you're big on that because you always have a you've always talked about having a plan. Like, what right. are things what are things to think about when like you know that sh that first <laughs> shot goes out and you're there with your kids. You know, and, you know, to me, as a paramedic, I start thinking more about uh, the, like, I, I really don't think, like, obviously, you know, I'm a veteran. I know how to shoot. Sure. I, I think more about the medical part of it, but I'm thinking about like, that part, like, what are things to think about, like, how to take a fucked up situation like that and not only survive, but, you know, okay, I guess to break it down, like, what should be your immediate reaction? What are things to think about? 
how can I save sure. my family's life, my life, and as many people as possible? Yeah, to me, that's what it comes down to. And I was stuttering, but it's all about saving life at that point. Right. And, you know, if, if there's a ten, if there's a ten meter target in front of you, fucking shoot it. But you know, I'm not, tra- you know, I want, I want to preserve life. I want to save my family's life first, and I want to save as many lives as possible. So, what are the things that you think about in a situation like that? Okay, so it, there's there's a thing called rules of three, right? And it's you get you can live in these threes. You get three seconds for thought. You get three minutes for um, for exposure. You get you know um, three whatever. So it's, it's three. I'm sorry. It's it's three seconds for thought. Three minutes with it. You know, without you can live without air. You can live. Um, you know, three hours without shelter. You can live three days without water. You can three three weeks without food. So you build these threes into it. But in saying that, the number one thing is three seconds without thought. Is if you are, you know, I'm here just like this. Oh man, that's a funny YouTube thing. Or hey, that's a whatever else. Or I'm just I'm so ingrained in this or looking at something or doing whatever that you hadn't picked your head up and looked around is when something happens, when some event happens, now you have gone from a very, you know, a very relaxed mindset type thing. You're probably going to lock up, right? Because there's a sensory overload of holy shit, what's going on. And now you're trying to pull, you know, if you're if you're switched on, you're trying to pull information as fast as possible. So number one, you got to be safe, right? And it's just like we talked about. Sometimes you return fire, seat cover. Sometimes you seat cover, return fire. It's number one, you got to be safe. Is you got to get yourself out of whatever is the immediate threat. And then from there, you start. You know, if if you have the ability, the mindset and availability and the training to do something about it, then you start building your your plan to move forward. If you don't, if your entire purpose is to protect you and yourself or your people or your whatever, then you start looking at ways to um, put barriers between you and them, right? So one of the things that I had, you know, I talked to my kids about a lot when they went to school because all these school shootings or whatever else. And, you know, I didn't want to, you know, I didn't want to sensationalize this thing either. I said, but, you know, I was like, look, here's what, here's what you need to do if you're in school, Right is I want you to take this doorstop with you because, hey, does your door open in or out? Well, most classroom doors, um, whatever, at their school at the time, they open in. It's like, okay, so if you get in a situation or something happens, what do you? I need you to take this doorstop, push the door closed, and kick it as hard as you can underneath the door. Right. And then what I need you to do then is I need you, you know, if you can, put a piece of tape and hang something they can't see inside the door, you know, if there's a window in it. And then I need you to start putting things in between you and them. Or if there's a window, get out of the window. You know, and so what that, that, that puts barriers between you and I. And in a super active situation like that, these, you know, these guys are going to take the target, the easy targets, target, targets of opportunity, something they can, they can hit and move, right? Because they know they've got a limited time anyway. And yeah. if you can put, you know, the time and barriers between you and them, it, it gives you survivability, right? Um, so number one, you know, move away from, from the danger, uh, to, you know, you, you got to put things between you and them. So, but the biggest thing is if the biggest mindset challenge for most people is when there is violence, they have to be more violent. Right. right? And that is the absolute of it. Right. If a bear is attacking you, you know, 
you got they did hey you should play dead or whatever else probably you need to start looking at poking his eyeballs out right you know if they if you start getting you know they say hey if you're in the water and a shark starts you know you sharks are around you start you start getting a shark attack or whatever you're in a fight for your life and right. you have to be more violent than the shark so the shark moves away right and if you're not capable of doing that then you need to understand the consequences of what's going to happen and that's just like any street fight or any other occasion. It's it's that the is, most it's, it's the person who's going to be the most violent is going to win. That's that, that that's exactly right. Unless you're incredibly lucky and the numbers are so astronomical against you at that point, it, you're you're you know you're whatever. But if if violence is there, then you have to be more violent than whoever or whatever else is there. Especially if you're not skilled. <laughs> yeah, yeah, uh, you know, and it's you know look for things that make you uh, more capable, you know? It, a baseball bat, you know, if you're at a sporting goods store or, you know, whatever, there, there's, we could go down to way diatribe and rabbit holes and all of this stuff, but you've got to do something, protect me, defeat them, period. And you, we as a human population need to understand that we are still animals. We still fall under all of those natural rules, you know, laws of nature, and the strongest survive. And if you're not stronger and more willing to be, you know, more violent than whatever situation you're in, then you may not make it out. Yeah, and that's 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 the, that's the sad truth. That's that's it. That's right. All right, man. Well, I appreciate that. Uh, talk about hunting. Is hunting season coming up for you or what? Absolutely. So um, uh, some of the bird seasons are in right now. Dove season just came in uh, or whatever. Uh, bow season is ready to start. So I mean, it is. It's getting it's getting a fun time of the year right now. Uh, it's gonna be my first uh, my first real season. Uh, I just got my uh, my bow hunting thing. I, yeah. I, I, ju- I just learned how to shoot a bow like last week, and now I'm like I'm geeking out. I'm gonna, I'm gonna bow hunt this year. It starts in about uh, two three weeks, man. I'm looking forward to it. Man, I, I tell you, you know, it's it's amazing. You know, I, I like I said, you know, of course I, I love I love the taste of animals. I absolutely do. But it is, you know, it has always been more to me to be out in the moment and to have that, you know, the thrill of being out there and to, and to watching nature. And, and it's the little things that you get to see and be and disconnect with with modern times and put yourself back into a more primitive, you know, relaxing mode. That's it, that's what it's all about. So, yeah. All right, man. Well, we're going to wrap this up. You got any plugs? Because I know you got a few companies that you, that you work with. And I got a lot of veteran friends who are probably going to listen to this. So if you got any plugs you want to put in or – Anything, that'd be cool, and then we'll wrap this up, all right? Okay, cool. Hey, you know, if uh, for information or anything else, uh, you know, uh, you can hit me up, you know, whether it be Facebook or Instagram or whatever else, or just, you know, whatever. Uh, hit me up, email me at james at shadow6.net. Um, or if, if you're going to shoot, shoot federal ammo, because it's the best ammo in the whole wide world. Nice. Uh, and if you're going to look at it through a scope, it might as well be a Collis or Swarovski, because that's the greatest scope in the whole wide world. So... <laughs> Uh, now we could go on and on and on. Listen, the, the biggest thing with equipment is is do your research, hold it, see it, touch it before you buy it, and if you like it, fine, and pick your reasons why you want it, not because somebody on the internet told you to. All right. Well, I appreciate it, James, man. It's good seeing you, good talking to you again, buddy. Absolutely. Anytime, brother. All right. Take it easy.